This is the Guitar Speak podcast. My name is Matt Wakeling, and thank you so much for joining us. Hey, this is our second episode. Thank you so much for all the great feedback and uh, support and encouragement following our first episode. We really appreciate it. Now, you can find us on the iTunes podcast feed. We are Guitar Speak Podcast. We're also Guitar Speak Podcast on SoundCloud. We've got a Facebook page. Yep, it's the Guitar Speak Podcast. So uh, we would love to hear from you. So, um, drop us a line. Let us know... Uh, what you're thinking of the episodes of the show if you could leave us a review on the iTunes page that would be fantastic um, also you can send us an email guitarspeakpodcast at gmail.com so in any of those um, any of those ways we would love to hear from you and uh, just be in touch feel free to share the episodes if you're enjoying what you're hearing uh, that's, uh, that goes a long way as well and that's really helpful for us now today we have the second and final uh, installment of our interview with Michael Dolce. Uh, episode one, it's a really interesting look at his early career and uh, how he got some big gigs, some big breaks, and how he ended up being on our TV screens in the Voice house band. Now if you missed that episode, of course you can get it at any of those sites I mentioned earlier on. But in today's episode, Michael tells us about how he developed his technique how he came to be a Charles Cilia, uh signature series artist with his MD series guitars. Talked about his master classes. And we started our conversation as Michael discussed the making of his debut album, Everything Till Now. Why don't we take a bit of a listen to some of that? Yeah, so we um, recorded that, man, I think it might have been 2010. Oh, okay, okay. So it's been, it's been a while. It's been yeah. a while. I think it recorded in 2010, but released in 11, 2011. Okay. I can't remember now. I think I have yeah. to look. But um, that was something I wanted to do. I mean, I've always wanted to do, you know, so, which was probably one of the best things I ever sort of decided yeah, on. Awesome. Because, I mean, the, the hardest thing is obviously putting yourself out there and, um, you know, at the, at the time, I was like, I was satisfied with what I'd done, and um, you know, getting back to what I said, you know, getting that uh, thing of acceptance, you know, from your peers and mm-hmm. you know, people and artists and stuff like that, hardest thing. So for that, I was quite comfortable in that in that um, field in that world. Yeah. But to go back and do the instrumental thing and actually putting myself out there as a as an artist, yeah, yeah, uh, man, it was probably one of the hardest things to do, you know, because. I'd started recording the album and I sort of got three quarters through it and I thought, 
I was showing too many people and people getting feedback. Oh, I know what you're trying to do here. You're trying to sound like him. Maybe you should change your sound. I'm thinking, hang on a sec. What's, this is like, this is not me, you know? This is not me. I'm, I'm sort of listening to too many people here. So I scrapped the album. Scrapped the whole thing. Started again. Yeah, really? You know? Yeah, started again. I thought, you know what? I'm just going to do what I do. Yeah, That's cool. it. My sound. Yeah. I don't care. You know, it is what it is. People are going to hate it. People are going to like it. I don't know. And I'm glad I did that, man, and it's what you hear now. So yeah, cool. Um, it's, it's, I did it, re-recorded it, yeah. So it is pretty. It's a, fair, I guess, fairly broad mix. I mean, your voice is really clear throughout everything, yeah. I'd say. And um, yeah, but yeah, yeah you're doing some fusion okay, stuff, some country, some, yeah, some blues yeah. stuff. So it was. A, it was stylistically. It wasn't. Um, it wasn't a stylistic approach. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, I tried to keep my playing. Um, it's true to myself, you know. It was yeah, all about cool. me just being true to my, to my, like I said, the, my voice, you know. And yeah. even though I was playing the the styles which I wanted to do, it's basically, you know, as the title says, it, it was everything up until that point, you know, all the styles I loved playing, um, and and that's what it was basically. It's just a bunch of styles, and um, so the songs were written. I'm not even exaggerating. Probably over the course of like two and a half weeks, three weeks, okay, if that. Wow, um, but written on acoustic guitar, it was I was it was purely writing, just put like a, a, a loop, or even just sing the parts in, just played everything with acoustic guitar, all the melodies, because I knew if I if I tackle it with the electric, I'd want to finish it, and it was too early in the piece. So my my thought was to just write the song, make it a song. I thought it's it, if it sounds good acoustically and it sounds strong melodically. As, a, as an acoustic thing, I could easily tweak that into an electric thing. Yeah, right. And I wrote, I wrote it all like that, the whole album, on acoustic guitar. Yeah. Um, and what I ended up doing was I had these real, real rough demos of the songs on it with acoustic guitar to click mm-hmm. or program drum. Yeah. And then I, the first thing I did was just get um, Gordon Rittmeister in and... Uh, uh, Pete Skelton on drums, and um, that's, they were playing over that, which was really bodgy. Like uh-huh. I had no no way of sort of getting into the into the. I mean, the feel was there, and the, yeah. and the, and the grooves were there, but uh-huh. but like guys like Gordy came in and just absolutely smashed it. You know, <laughs> yeah, he came awesome. in like full takes, just perfect. You know, yeah, and. Just nailed it. The Pete Skelton was more the creative type, just beautiful colours he'd bring to the songs, you know. And um, and then I'd build it from there because I thought if I if I spend the money on recording the drums, I'd had no choice but to finish it. Yeah. So uh, that's the way I approached it. As soon as the drums were down, bang! I was straight into the bass, straight to the keys, and and that process took about six months because trying to get the guys and my mates and you know trying to get some you know some favours and in yeah. and you know paying certain guys to play on it as well and yeah. um, it took time you know to get the right guys mix of players um, and you know and then I got Nathan Cavalieri who you know yeah, is an yeah. absolute incredible guitar player he's you know I remember seeing Nathan hey it's Saturday you know back when he was still like 12 years old just ripping it up you know exactly with, yeah with the hey 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 band yeah. I was like hey who is this kid <laughs> and then we became really good mates oh, cool. after that and you know, we hung up, had a couple of big drinking nights together, and you know, and he recorded a couple of demos with, um, you know, a band that I was in at the time, 
uh, like an original thing. He had a studio out at Camden, and we became good mates. You know, and I, I thought, man, this guy would be perfect to mix my album. You know, he just knows about guitar, knows about tones, and and man, he just he was such a pleasure to work with, man. Wow. You know, cool. I'd do the next one exactly the same. I'd just get him to mix it, and you know, he's, he's just he just knows it. You know, yeah. he knows exactly what needs to happen, and he's always really. Um, really encouraging, you know, and just it was, certain things weren't working. He sort of gave me, look, Mike, you're better off just taking this one back home and maybe sort of working on this sound or, you know, maybe do the strings. It's, okay, cool, man, I'll do that. So while we're mixing, I'll still repairing stuff, you know? Okay, yeah. Because, because of he, he, and he'd bring it back, a perfect, man, that's great. And then he'd mix it. And it, it made a world of difference too, you know? Wow, brilliant. So he was helping out like that as well. Okay, cool. And that, and that took a while too because I had to sort of work around his schedule because he... Sure. You know, he does a lot of stuff at Songzoo there, so yeah. it was literally as soon as he finished his full day of, you know, recording and producing at Songzoo, yeah. I'd come in at seven o'clock at night and we'd work till like midnight. Wow. You know, and we'd do one song like uh -huh. that, you know, and then I'd leave it for two weeks and he'd come back. Yeah, so it was a long process, yeah. but it was worth it. Cool. It was worth it. Yeah. Man, it was definitely well received in the guitar community. Um, is there going to be a follow-up? I reckon a lot of people would be keen to hear some more yeah, of that well, stuff Yeah, well, man, I'd... I'd Seriously, I'd love to record another album, and I've got material ready to roll. Uh -huh. uh, once again, I wrote—I probably wrote about eight, nine songs in the space of a couple of weeks. But this was going back like almost two and a half years ago. Okay. And I'm, the way I'm thinking now is different from that too. So yeah, sure. I'd, I'd, I'd probably um, start again. Okay. You know, and just rewrite write the album because um, the way I'm thinking now is totally just the way I was thinking back then. Um, but. I would definitely do it at the moment. Probably say no, you know. But who knows? Um, in the near future, definitely. But it's it's there, you know. I'm I'm hanging to do one, and I would love to do one, you know. Yeah, so cool. Just stay tuned for it. Yeah, fingers crossed. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. Hey, I'd like to um maybe shift gears and talk about your technique a bit. Yeah, sure, um, man. When I think about your soloing, um, a couple yeah. of things spring to mind, like I really fluent legato technique seems to be a big deal yep. and also use of yep. harmony um yeah so how did you get into legato yep. technique when did you first latch onto that the legato thing came through um you know listening to guys like joe satriani okay yeah when, when when my my brother's mate he bought the album over and at the time i was still into uh, the shadows and stuff like that so <laughs> you can imagine the, my reaction when i heard the joe satriani yeah, wow. thing it was just like what is this? Wow. It just sounded like a keyboard. It was just, you know, keyboardist soloing. You know, I was Definitely. like, what is this? So what, what was, was that just, album? It was Surfing with the Alien. Oh, okay, yeah, classic. Yeah, so that was just like mind-blowing yeah, stuff. Yeah. <laughs> and I was just like, they, they, they've had to spin it up. You know, like there's no <laughs> way that you can play like exactly, that. Exactly, yeah. You know, you got to understand, like I hadn't heard of guys like, you know, Eddie Van Halen or, you know. Yeah, you'd sort of anyone, that. anyone that was just, in that zone, you know, or Alan Holdsworth that was doing it as well at the time. I didn't even know who he was, uh -huh. but um, I was just so secluded in my own thing, you know, that I just didn't, I didn't yeah. know what was going on around sure, me. Sure. So the Joe Satriani thing. So sure enough, you know, I I got a copy of the of the album and yeah. I was just sitting there trying to sort of do what he was doing. I didn't even know what he was doing, so uh -huh. I was just, I just, I stumbled into it. It was like no one's showing me what to do. I just. I literally taught myself how to do it. You I was going to say, did you have a teacher or anything at that stage? But but now it's just no. You. Well, this it was just me. I, okay. I just 
I just learnt by hearing it, and it was just I at the time I remember um, you know having obviously the, the vinyl thing, and I'd put weights on the on the record player to slow it down, and just go, oh, okay. what are you doing? Okay. But not having any any tutorial or any vision of how this guy did it, you know, yeah. um, I just had no idea, no idea, <laughs> and um, I just sort of fudged through things, just like going, what you know, sound nothing like it, but. Um, <laughs> Eventually, I stumbled on like three notes and go, I said how he does it. It sounded okay. the same. Yeah. Yeah. And it was just like three note hammer on yeah. per string thing. I thought, that's how he must do it. So I'd pick it and then hammer it on. Okay. And then I'd try it on the next string. And that's exactly how it was. It was a massive, it was a long process, you yeah. know, but it taught me about um, coming up with my own patterns and my own scales because no one had shown me scales. Yeah, right. Awesome. You know, I didn't know what a scale was. Wow. You know, once again, learning learning the shadow stuff was all by ear, and I was yeah. only playing in the open position. Yeah, you know, I didn't even realise you were allowed to play up the neck. <laughs> you know, so it was always <laughs> up, up the open open string. You know, that's half you the shadow's I mean? catalogue. Hey, that's that's all there. Well, this is that's the thing. You know, yeah. the, the, I mean, going back to when I was at, at you know at an early age, I my mum did take me to guitar lessons. You know, I was mm-hmm. there for a couple of years. You know, but yeah. I was learning stuff, you know, from, you know, Cole's, uh, there was a book called Cole's Book One, you know, which was like the equivalent to Mel Bay's okay. Book One. Yep. Know, so, so I was doing that. I was learning how to read, you know, dots in open position, Yeah. you know, for two years and playing, you know, Twinkle Twinkle and, and all those sort of things, you know, mm-hmm. and, you know, which led me to wipe out and stuff like that, which sort of got me into the shadows. Yeah. So, um, so um, it was all open position. So I was never taught to play up the neck. Okay. So with the Joe Patriarchy thing, it was like, well, if I can do it here, I sort of came up with my own conclusions. Yeah. If I can do it here with three notes, I'll, you know, I started listening and training my ear to, and then I just started forming my own patterns and, mm-hmm. in like, it took me a couple of years to sort of work through the neck. Yeah. You know, all in the all in the one key. Then again, I didn't know that you could key change, you know, and start uh-huh. playing everything in a different in a different key. Okay. So. so at the time, I was like, "Well, how, why is he doing this, and why aren't these notes working?" Yeah, you know, because it, it just didn't. It was just weird, you know. It was just <laughs> a weird thing for me. It was just working it out, and wow. I did. And it was just years of doing it, and which led me to guys like Vinnie Moore. Okay, yeah. Um, a friend of mine down the road, young young guy, all into skateboarding and stuff, and he took up the guitar and. Then, he started getting into these metal plays and he'd show me and he'd show me Vinnie Miles. I was freaking out. Yeah, I was like, who yeah. is this guy? And then he gave me this tutorial video, which was a Vinnie Moore um, uh, tuition thing. I tutorial video, the REH. That, yes. And yep. that alone, <laughs> that was just the biggest turning point because yeah, he right. was doing the legato thing. It yeah. sounded different as Patriani. And then I was watching somebody do it. Yes. I was like, is yeah. that how he does it? Awesome. You know, he's only picking one note and he's going to the next string. He's hardly picking anything. Yeah. I was like, whoa, this is just mind So I learned that whole video inside <laughs> out. I knew That's cool. every lick he did. I knew the opening, like, solo. I knew the end solo yeah. that he did. I just learned everything, <laughs> you know? That's so and good. And I was just... And then he was showing, like, the modes and the... Um, yeah, yeah. And, just the, the scales through and yeah. and that and it all started making sense but he was doing it a little bit different to me where my note, my things are three notes and he was the three note per pattern but he was doing different patterns okay. I thought, oh wow you can go down there and do that that 
same pattern, that same sound, you know? Awesome. Not knowing, you know, what it was, and I re- realised it was major scales and stuff. Um, which sort of eventuated to um, uh, stumbling, and I remember sort of being into the Vinnie Moore thing, and I just remember the the um, Whispering Jack album had just come out, and they did some live live feed, you know, it was a big John Farnham concert live on television, you know? Yeah. And I just remember sort of coming out of my room at the time, because I was practising like, hours on end, you know, yeah. to get the technique down. It was all about the technique. It wasn't about harmony or anything like that. I didn't know what I was doing. Uh-huh. But um, I came out and I just remember walking past the TV, just looking at this dude and um, just going, oh, "Who's this guy?" You know, as you do when you're 16, you <laughs> yeah. go, "Who's this guy? I'm better than him." You know, <laughs> and it was it was Brett Garford, not knowing yeah, Brett yeah, Garford awesome. At the time. And was that the, the um, was, was that the gig when he's got the TV camera strapped to his strat? Exactly. Yeah, yeah that's man. the one. You know, the Classic. whispering jack thing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I remember that too. No, a simulcast just... on TV or something. Exactly. It was that one, that particular one. And I just remember mum and dad watching it and I sort of walked past going, oh, who's this guy? You know, he's hopeless. <laughs> I'm better, you know. And then, and, mate, it was just like someone had just hit me on the back of the head with a cricket bat. He went into, um, I think it was the war, uh, when the war is over. Oh, and he yeah. Does, he did this, he does, he does that, that run, you know, that Oh, my that goodness, lick. yes. Yeah. And I was just like, what the heck was that? Yeah. No, if that was the keyboard, if that wasn't the guitar, that couldn't have been the guitar. It's nuts, you know? yeah, it in the bridge. Like, yeah. And then I sat there for the whole concert, and sure enough, it let me out, solo came in. Oh, yeah, And yeah. then I was, I was almost crying because <laughs> I was just like, oh, no, you know, I've got to relearn everything now, you know. <laughs> I want to play like this guy, yeah. you know. And that was it. He had changed everything for me. Like, Brett Garson was it because I thought, this is what I want to do. I want to play for people. But yeah. I want to do what he's doing. He just had the pop sensibility, yeah. you know, putting a, a an amazing solo over pop songs, you know. Yeah, and I was yeah. like, Whoa, this is blowing my mind. And everyone awesome. was talking about it the next day, and yeah. and I was just like, oh man. And I was, and I ended up getting a copy of it, and I just wore the tape out, you know, because <laughs> I wanted to learn everything he did on that video, and I couldn't because he he just had a totally different approach, you know. He's using his fingers, and his no choice was just freaking me out because yeah, yeah. it wasn't. It wasn't as um, scale-like like anymore, or, you know, it was just, it was really, you know, the intervals were really interesting. Mm-hmm. So I was like Brett Garson after that. It was all about him. Yeah, all awesome. Brett Garson, Brett Garson. And I mean, I got heavily into him and um, once again, trying to sort of play what he did, but because of the footage on TV, it was just like, what is he doing? I could yeah. never understand how he could created that flowing sound. Yeah. So I just started doing my own thing, you know, just, trying to sort of clone, be the clone of him, but just couldn't quite get it, you know? Sure. Which led to sort of just doing my own thing, you know? And um, there's so much stuff that I took away from him and Sydney yeah. and stuff like that, it's, which is still in my playing. Mm-hmm. Like every time, you know, Brett comes to Sydney, or we always catch up, we try and always catch up, and, you know, and I always apologise to him, you know, because I'm sort of sorry, man, I'm just, a, I'm just a rip-off from you, you know? <laughs> and he's so encouraging. Yeah. You know, he's just like, no, nah, man, you know, you know, you, you've got your own thing happen. I'm like, no, that man, I'm a rip off, you know. And he just laughs, you know. Yeah. But he's just a he, massive influence. And then obviously going to guys like, seeing guys like Dieter Kleeman, yeah. and you would know Dieter. Yeah, he yeah. was a massive influence on me as well because I I saw him, I saw him play. Um, he did a clinic at Lombardo Music at the time, and okay. that's when I was into like the Vinnie Moore thing too. And 
um, Vinnie Moore had a black and white guitar, and that's what, well, it must be the Shadows thing. This is this is this must be me, you know. And then Dieter Clem comes to Lombardo's, and he's got a black and white black Ibanez, and white Ibanez that's RG7, right. RG750, and I was just like, that's the guitar I'm getting. That was I his, went and yeah, bought one yeah, the yeah. next day. I went and bought it. It was awesome. all about Peter Kleeman, Vinnie Moore. You know, this is just before I sort of jumped on the brick acid. Okay. It's all about that. So I ended up combining the Ibanez. And, oh, man, it was just one of those times. It was all about the guitar that time, you know? Yeah. You know, it was like mid-'80s um, going into the late, you know, 80s, going into early 90s. Yeah. Um, then I took some lessons of Peter. You know, I took probably about six, seven lessons of Peter, and um, that changed my world because... It was all about, I was self-taught, mm-hmm. and I knew I was playing sounds, and I knew uh, where my scales were, or the scales that I sort of came up with in the sense of the patterns okay, and yep. the blocks and that. I, I knew that, so I went to him, and I, I just said to him, look, man, I just, I just want to learn how to play some fusion stuff. I went and saw him do some gigs, and he just blow me away, you know. Mm-hmm. So this is exactly how I want to play. And he just, I remember walking in the first day, and I just, I want to play fusion, and he put on the one chord band thing, and and I was like, Nah, man, I want to play fusion. I I know how to play over a one chord thing, uh-huh. you know. And he, I was just, a, you know, just a punk, you know, just <laughs> wanting to to learn quick and smart. He was like, you know, learn to walk before you run, you know. And he and then he started playing over the one. Chord. He goes, Butch, you know, we'll have a bit of a play, and I just started playing, and you know, everything was just stale, and just everything I did was just licks, you know, that I'd learnt and just. No, with no pocket, no timing, or no sense of harmony, and, okay. and then he started playing over the top, and it was just like, oh my goodness, <laughs> oh my goodness, yeah. over one chord, I was just, it was blowing my mind, and I just went, dude, that's it, <laughs> I'm coming to lessons, you know, and that, and that, he just turned my whole world upside down, yeah, you know, with that, I felt like I was starting all over again. So and is that that's when? That's what got me, yeah. Sorry, that's what sort of got me into the jazz sort of harmony and, okay. and learning how to play the chord progressions properly. Yeah. You know, and being a little bit more sophisticated with your day choice as opposed to sort of hit and miss. Yeah, right. You know, like like the, the scales, I just do the same thing and 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 that was massive, man. That took me it took me probably well, I was probably at seventeen, eighteen at the time mm-hmm. and that took me through he's those six, seven lessons that he gave me, man, that that lasted me all the information he gave me that, that probably lasted about six years. Wow. So is yeah, that where your harmonic, so much. Is that where your harmonic yeah. kind of vocabulary was stretched yeah. out? Yeah. Exactly right, man. Cool. He had showed me a lot of stuff and without getting too into do into the, the nitty gritty of, of harmony and stuff like that, he taught me the modes, but he wasn't like he'd write out the, the, the scale and he'd sort of you know, write the intervals in, you know, flat two, flat three, whatever, whatever the mode consisted of. But I wasn't into that. Uh-huh. I was more into the sound and the chords and the yeah, harmony okay. behind the scales. And that's what I wanted to, to learn, you know. So I didn't really get into the, the theory side of sure. stuff with him. He was all about just playing at the, at the lesson and, and then he'd give me a, a like some sort of chord progression. He'd play on the top and be just like, and then he'd introduce me to a like the melodic minor over that particular scale. Okay. So yeah. there was a lot of that, a lot of that, and and I'd take the lessons and I'd go home and listen to what he was doing. I think, oh, okay, I can see where he's shaping this, and so that was mass. That was that was the biggest turning point. Yeah, know, right. My playing. Awesome. It was massive. It was massive because I had technique, but I had no direction. Okay. Whatsoever. Fantastic. So. 
you know, when the timing thing um, came into play um, with the Legato uh, uh, playing, yeah. at that point too, I was doing a lot of sort of flurry type Legato um, uh, lines. We, you know, that approach, which was more the Jose Triani, the Vinnie Moore thing, where Brett Garcett had more of the pocket and more of the, um, the intervallic thing happening. It was more precise in the sense when he was playing over a certain chord, he was hitting the right notes. It wasn't just a flurry of notes. Okay, yeah. sort of passing through the chord, um, so to speak. So listening to guys like Brett Garcett really sort of made me realise, look, I just can't play any old thing over a chord. You know, if I wanted to play the legato thing, it has to be a little bit more sophisticated for my ears. So mm-hmm. that thing, you know, with the timing and the, and the right notes over the chord, yeah, you know, right. with 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 the legato as opposed to just sort of playing through it. Yeah, cool. Um, you know, and everyone's got their own way of of, of um, you know translating that technique. You know, and and that this it's just my way, my my approach of doing it. You know, it's, there's no wrong or right, obviously. But, sure. Um, I just wanted to get a little bit more sophisticated with it and and do that, and and it sort of led me to sort of coming up with my own ideas. I you know always sit in a room. You know, back in the days, and I still do it now, you know, I'd always take myself and I was never one to sort of come up with massive lines. You know, I remember reading a, a Scott Henderson thing and he still he still says it in his interviews, you know, it's just, I he, I remember reading the time he made four notes, you know, six notes max, you know, in a line. That's uh, it. You okay. don't need anything more, you know, and then just drawing your lines up. And that's what I did. You know, I'd, I'd come up with, Strong four-note legato phrases or six-note phrases, you know, or eight-note max. To um, and now I just join them up, mm-hmm. and it was easier to to sort of um, remember the smaller fragments yep. like that, as opposed to sort of trying to learn one line that starts, you know, the nut and ends up at the twelfth fret. Yeah, right. Um, yep. it, it was easier for me to just sort of play, get melodic about it, and then just in the pocket just play the four notes. Yeah, you know, cool. and then the four notes become eight notes, joining onto another idea, and then you know twelve. And then all of a sudden, I was just—it felt so comfortable, and natural to to do that. Yeah, and I still do that, and I still think that way. Yeah, you know, awesome. because a four note idea can be joined up with, um, you know, the rest of your vocabulary. You know, you've got all your little words and stuff that you that you've come up with. Yeah, and then you're just putting them in sentences wherever you want to place them. You know, and 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 that's how it works for me. Yeah, it's cool. Just, about you know, it's that approach. It is that approach. Yeah, I, I love that time. idea. It's a, so you're just very yeah. gradually building. Absolutely, your whole style really there. Absolutely, you know, and I and I sort of, I sort of, um, you know, when I'm doing those my master classes and that, I've been doing the same topic, which is the, the one called BAM thing. Yeah, and I, and the reason why I still do it is because people. People are still wanting to come to it. People are still um, asking me to put it on, you know. So it's just um, one of those things. I feel like it's it's really poor because this this is the thing that changed me, my playing, and it's gotten me to sort of play the way I do. So I, I feel that you know, if I can share this knowledge with yeah. people and it sort of cuts out a few little corners of the way I'm thinking, then great, you know, that, that's awesome. And I and I really sort of hammer that point, you know, of keeping your mind small. You know, and then just sort of building and pulling out things, that, and you'll uh, pull out the ideas and, and little words that you've that you've come up with, you know, before, and then you sort of 
join them all together and it just becomes this style, mm-hmm. you know, and it, and it does. It, it becomes, it's really easy to approach for me because I'm, when it comes to learning stuff, I'm absolutely hopeless at memorizing stuff. I'm terrible. You know, I've never sat down to learn a solo note for note. I just can't do that. You know, if I want to do it, I'll guarantee you I would stuff it up, you know. Uh-huh. It's just because I'm not that type of player. You know, I'm more about sort of creating, you know, yeah. and going with it and doing that, you know. And not to say that when I create and, pull and try solos at gigs, you know, you know, more times out of none, I'm stuffing them up anyway, you know, trying to sort of go for too much or, you know, oh, you know, you have good nights when you're in the zone, but you have some shockers, yeah, you sure. know. And it's just the way it is, you know. But yeah. um, that, that, that style of thing for the Lugato definitely works for me, you know. Yeah, cool. I mean, either way, you, yeah. you still, that's, you still bring your own voice, um, regardless yeah, if you're having a good night or ab- not. Exactly. You know, you've got your own voice happening and, and I think, like I said, going back to what I said earlier on, is you know, it's being accepting of yourself and, and, and your voice, you know, and just going with it. And that's this is what it is. You just got to do it, you know. Yeah, cool. Don't try and be someone else, and and that's the that's the road I took. And you know, I'm glad I did it, and you know, and it's helped me out a lot, you know. But the legato thing is, um, it, it's a helpful tool and stuff like that, you know, with amongst the guitar community thing. Mm-hmm. People enjoy hearing that sort of playing. Yeah. But a lot of the time when I'm sort of doing gigs around town, you know, I sort of pull it out every now and then, but it's it's not it's not the uh, the bee's knees of, of what I do, you know, sure. when I do it live, that's for sure. Yeah. I sort of break it right back, you know, back to where, where the melodic content is and mm-hmm. then I might sort of just throw in something, you know, yeah. if it's there to be to be done, you know, but sure. I don't don't even bother. Yeah, you know? cool. But it's yeah, it's that's that. Yeah. So you mentioned your master classes. Um, yeah. You've been running those for a few years now, yeah. 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 Totally, man. Cool. And they're, they've been. They're, um, they've been great. Yeah, they, they've been really popular all around Australia. What? Um, yeah. So you just bring your, I guess, your amalgamation of all these things you've learned and, and your yeah, method. Exactly. It's, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like pretty much everything I've sort of spoken about, but um, it's it's all about the one chord band. You know, getting a bunch, getting ten guys. The class consists of ten blokes. Yeah. I'll come in, all sit with guitars, just go around the room, and I'll just talk about the things that worked for me and how I how I approached it and how I um, you know came up with my own patterns and how you know how the how it helped my visual strength on the on the on the on the fretboard. I because that is so important too. You know, having mm-hmm. visual strength uh, is so important. Um, all these little things that sort of contributed to. The playing, you know, and playing the style that I do, sure. Um, you know, and playing certain sounds and things, and you know what you need to remember as well is things that I'm learning, you know, up to date at this point. Um, I'm still going back and and sort of looking up, you know, on the theory side and looking up, you know, what what the hell am I actually playing here? What what is what is the um, the theory behind what I'm playing? You know, I still like to do that. But I, I'm not the type of guy to overanalyze. I will go back and go, okay, that's what I'm doing. Cool. Well, that okay. makes sense because of this and that. But I, I don't sit there going, well, this is a flat this and, you know, I'm sharpening this note and, you know, this is the sixth of the, you know, none of that going on. I totally don't don't work like that. I'm all about the ear. Yeah, okay. Yeah, but the, yeah, the past guys have been great, generous. You know, the guys have been, everyone that's come to it, you know, I've, I've Probably up till up to date, I've probably done about sixty-five of them around wow, Australia. Fantastic! And you know, and that's been just a blessing. It's just been unreal. Will you end up doing another run of, of those later in the year, perhaps? 
Well, definitely, definitely wanting to do. I might even put one actually after we speak. Now that you've mentioned it, mm-hmm. I might put one in these this little break that I've got off um, in these five weeks, six weeks that I've got off of the voice. Ah, uh, cool. Um, uh, so I might just put one on, maybe at Charles's and that. Yeah. Um, and see how we go with that, and then hopefully by the end of the year. Um, I'll have another topic, you know, because everyone's asking as well, okay, you know, you're going to come up with another topic. Okay, yeah. And that, that'll open up a whole whole run, you know, once yep. again. Every, every sort of venue that I've done, yep. um, we'll, uh, it'll, we'll open that door up again anyhow. But, you know, looking forward to it. Yeah, cool. So when yeah. you say Charles Place, you're talking about Charles Cilia, yeah? Charles Cilia's guitar, yeah, um, guitar shop there. He's, um, he's workshop. Awesome. He's got a showroom upstairs, mm-hmm. uh, which is amazing. He's got all his guitars on, his, on the wall. There's a nice space there. It's really, really classy. Cool. And I just, that's where I hold the classes. Great. And, you know, when the guys come there, we make a night of it. Um, come in, we do the class, and we hang out afterwards, and everyone has a play through the amps because he's got a whole bunch of Freeman, Bogner, Fender, Backhand amps up there. So awesome. everyone just plugs into those things. Cool. Everyone brings their guitars, they plug into the amps there, and then everyone's just sort of jamming, talking, people meet, you know. It's, it's great. It's just a great community uh, of, of, of players and we have some tea, cakes and stuff and have a chat and normally we start at 7 o'clock and, you know, you don't get out there. I don't get out of there till 11, you know. Yeah, right, cool. Uh, after it's all sort of settled down and uh, it's, it's a great night. Sounds great awesome. Night. Great. Yeah. So how long have you been playing yeah. Charles Guitars for? Man, I, this will be my... Uh, let me see now... Three thirteen, nineteenth year. Really fantastic. Yeah, so you must have been one yeah. of the first guys to yeah be be playing yeah. his stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. Yeah, I was um when he was back when I was back working at Lombardo's. He walked in the shop. Yeah, random dude, killer player. Yeah, he's a monster. A lot of people don't know that. Player, they don't know that about him. Yeah, he's not just a dude that makes guitars, and he was working with um. Gerard Gillet, so he was making acoustics okay. yep. for the majority of the time, but he was making um, electric guitars on the side. Okay. So he, he walked in one, one day at Lombardo's and, and I was sort of was behind the counter there, sort of serving people, and plugged in and he was playing. I was like, who is this guy? <laughs> He's phenomenal. Yeah. And I looked at his guitar and I just went, man, where did you get this guitar? I want one like this. He goes, oh, I'm making them. I made, uh, just alarm bells went off and I was wow. like, I want you to make me one, you know. Uh-huh. Well, actually, I lied because he came into the shop, he, he played, and actually, I didn't get to speak to him at that point. He came in another time, and so when I, when he walked, I'd gone to the back, and he walked out, he played and walked out, I said, where did the guy go? I didn't know anything about him. Or where. And then he came in again, and then I'd asked him, you know, where he, and he gave me all the details and stuff, and, and it wasn't until a bit later on that I went in and, and we sort of worked out a guitar that he was going to make for me, which was a, um, it was basically a copy of a um, uh, Music Man Luke body. Okay. And he put a neck on it. He, uh, he designed the neck. It was like a flat 16 radius. Okay. It was like more like the Ibanez sort of guitar with a Floyd Rose on it. Still yeah, got right. it. I'm looking at it right now as we speak. Yeah, cool. Um, and that was my my version of the Ibanez because I wanted to move away from the Ibanez guitars, you know. So okay. he built that and I was playing that for a while then he ended up 
um, a couple of years later, he ended up building you know, like a, a strat style. Yep, yep, um, I remember that one. Yeah, body, yeah, which is more, it's more like a valley art, copied off a valley arts body. Okay. So a friend of mine, Ryan Pitney, uh, he's a brilliant guitar player as well. He um, he came up with the idea. He was like, man, valley arts was like, yeah, because at the time we were sort of hanging out and doing some playing and, mm-hmm. and sort of experimenting with sounds and stuff. And he was like, try this out. And it's still one of my favorite guitars. Yeah. Like every time I pull it out, and it's just one of those guitars you can jump on. And it's got a nice like 12 inch radius on it, nice neck on it. It's just you feel like you can do anything on that guitar. It's just got a great sound. I still use that guitar. I use all my guitars on the voice. Yeah. But only of recent, in this last, this season here, I've used it a lot. Okay. Uh, it's got a humbucker and a couple of single coils in it. Okay, yeah. Um, cool. And I've just got a whole bunch of other guitars. I've got my sort of signature um, uh, Telly style, which Charles sort of calls his Harlequin. Yeah, design, tell us about, which has got, tell us about that. Yeah. The Z model. Yeah, so basically it's... um. It's, a, it's based from the traditional shape, as you can see. Mm-hmm. Um, the actual, the neck itself is a nine and a half radius. So I've gone, oh, okay. I've sort of gone down again more to the vintage. I mean, it's not quite vintage, vintage is more seven inch, but sure. Um, sure. But this is like a nine and a half, nine and a half, you know, straight all across the board. Yeah. No sort of, um, <clears throat> what do they call it when they... Uh, oh, the compounds, compound radius? Compound radius, yeah, 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 it's not that. I tried that once, I couldn't get used to it, you know? Okay. Um, so he's designed that. It's a uses um, like a figured maple um, um, neck, yeah. which are not a lot of the luthiers are making, you know, because it's just a soft neck. So yeah. he sort of does his thing to strengthen it up, and it's just got a beautiful tone to it. Really spanky, really uh, articulate when you when you play. Yeah. Um, but this particular design, my plane, and this is no word of a lie, and I'm not sort of just saying that because I play guitars, but. Um, he had come up with, um, which was the standard shape. Um, it was almost identical to the standard um, tellies, yep. uh, but his neck shape and his and his pickups. That's where it's all, all at, you know. Okay. And, and just the yep. timbers. Obviously, his timbers are hand picked, swamp ash, you know, two piece. Yeah, you, know, awesome. you just you, you can't get that in a fender these days, you know, unless you you go and custom shop, you know, yep. paint an arm and a leg. So he um. He he sort of said, "Look, take this home and have a play with it." Yeah. And I was like, "Oh man, I'm not really into tellies, and you know, but give it to me, and I'll and I'll have it." As soon as I took it home, I could not believe the response. Wow. Of the neck, it was yeah. just like, "Wow, what is it?" You know, like and I pick up my other guitars. The other guitars just sounded too sort of woolly, and like it wasn't yeah, as articulate right. as this particularly. Yeah, absolutely. As, as this thing, so I was like, "Scrumptious thing that I was like." Bring him up strong. I said, man, what did you do to this thing? And he goes, oh, I've done a couple of things in the neck. And I was like, man, I said, I reckon, I love it, you know? Yeah. He goes, yeah, the pickups are designed. And, All right, man, cool. I, I played it and played it. I had it for six months. I ended up buying it. Yeah. So it was just like, and then, which led to my own sort of vibe. So we tweaked the pickups because Charles makes his own pickups. We right. tweaked the pickups to a, a more sort of um, even sort of sound, not as not as uh, pingy as the tele pickups, okay. standard tele pickups are. They're a lot warmer on the top end and a lot more sort of, a lot even. Okay. You know? So when you're playing across the thread, across the string, it's really even. You know? yeah. So hence, with my technique, it really works. Um, the dog leg I sort of came up with because I was just sick of, I couldn't reach around to, to do volume swirls. That's, that's the control the panel you're telly. about, yeah? 
yeah, the standard control panel yeah, definitely. on the tellies with yeah. the volume and the tone uh, uh, after the actual selector. Yeah. So it was just like, dude, I can't get used to this. This is killing me. I That's, can't get my fingers in the yeah. volume swirls. It's the classic you know, telly so, problem, isn't it? That whole panel. It's, yeah. Yeah. So we started off with the first prototype was just having the volume right yeah. at the end and the switch in the middle and the tone. Um, on the back end of it. Okay. Uh, yeah. So there was volume um, near the pickup, switch, and then uh, tone right at the end. Yeah. And and I was loving that, and I and I just thought, you know what, it's still a bit too far away. So can you move it closer? Can we can we do some sort of dog leaning as well? We'll just design a panel, a, a switch, a panel, control panel, and, awesome. and that's what we did. So we just come up with this dog leg thing, which is unreal for me. That's it's perfect. Just, it's just like it's right with a strap volume would be and it's just okay. perfect you know fantastic so it's just it's it's absolutely perfect for me great um, we tweaked the neck a bit um, we did a couple of things with the truss rod to sort of take away because with a standard truss rod adjusting uh, thing it takes it it sort of chokes the tone a bit so with we, we've changed that a bit and it's just re, it really rings out now wow um, and wow. we don't we don't we don't use any um, string trees okay on the, on the end um, so there's a couple of things that we've done. Yeah. Um, and so are you using also, like graduated tuners or something to get rid of the trees? No. Well, the way Charles has uh, designed it, he's it's just really sort of straight, straight across. Okay. Um, with a sl- also slight <laughs> sort of um, uh, gradual sort of descent to the to the high E string tuner. Oh, okay. So, but okay. it just you just don't need it. You know, you don't get any buzz that's come off the thing. It just, wow, it just, just rings out more. You know, there's a lot more ring to it when you cool. don't have the trees, I oh, find. Sure. Um, what sort of neck also, profile is going on there? So we've sort of designed... The neck profile is just something that we've sort of tweaked. I don't even know what we're calling it. It's just something that suits my hands. Yeah, right. So it's just... It's more of a... It's, it's, a, it's a nice sort of gradual D. Okay. Not... Um, it's not a um, a C sort of cup or anything like that, but it's more of a D, but it's sort of gradual. Okay. Um, just nice, you know. It sort of suits my plane. Once again, uh, we've also um, each that used to um, uh, design the sir. Remember the sir back panel uh, uh, noiseless plates that you put on the back of straps and stuff like that. Oh, okay. Yep. I don't know if you. Well, sir, sir. And Illich designed this um, back panel plate, which was which was fantastic. Anyhow, with the with the tellies, you can't um, you can't really sort of put it, you can't put a back plate on it, but it just looks a bit weird. Yeah, sure. So Charles um, Charles and Illich have designed this new um, uh, system that goes inside the actual guitar. Okay. So when it's built, um, it sits within the guitar. It's routed inside the guitar. It's just it's it's great, you know. You don't see anything, and it's just quiet. You know, it doesn't change the tone. Okay. It's just none of that happening. You know, it's just perfect. It's just it works hand in hand with the pickups. You know, so well, yeah, <clears throat> that's the thing with singles. You know, hey, you want you want the yeah. the life from a single coil, but you uh, exactly you often end up with a little bit of noise. So is this like an electronic exactly. kind of process, or is it? Yeah, it's it's, it's just like it acts as a humbucker okay. coil. Um, okay. Okay, like, like a without dummy. the humbucker sound. Yeah. Yeah. Dummy, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. So without the without the, uh, the humbucker sound, obviously. Perfect. But it just it's beautiful. Man. It doesn't cool. stuff with your tone. Yeah. And it's just you know really great vibe. And nice. it's 
thing with Charles' guitar, he's, his first and primary thing is to make sure the guitar just sounds organic. <laughs> Anything that just starts sounding left field, mate, he just leaves it, does not yeah. go with it. You know, it needs to sound natural and really organic, and that's what drew me to his guitars. You know, fantastic. They always sound organic. You know, that's it. You know, but Great. yeah, no, pleased with these guitars. Great. So that's the Michael Dolce signature. Yeah. So yeah, so listeners should definitely check that my out. That's my vibe and. You know, we we go with that, and Great. as a matter of fact, all these all these uh, harlequins now have got the uh, the dog legs, so that's oh really fine. okay. All these guitars, yeah, cool. So yeah, that's a good contribution that's to the it. Telecaster history, I reckon. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. A lot, a lot of the, a lot of the uh, the traditionalists out there, yeah, they will uh, they frown upon it, but <laughs> a lot of guys have taken to it too. You know, they're like, oh man, this is a cool vibe, you know. Yeah, nice. Uh, but, you know, it's just what do you do? It works for me. Yeah, that's amazing. cool. That's it. Yeah, nice. And that's that, you know. And um, yeah. what about amps? I see you've been using the Axe Effects for a few years now. Axe, yep, the Axe Effects has um, has been my um. Uh, Bread and butter, so to speak, for the voice that is, and any touring gig that I do. Okay. Um, I don't use it um, when I'm doing my gigs around town. Yeah. I prefer amp. Sure. I just love amp and pedals. Uh, when I say pedals, I'm still using the Fractal Audio FX8. Oh, okay. That's the floorboard version, isn't it? That's the floorboard version, but it's only the pedals. Okay. Not just the yeah, amp simulation. Gotcha. Yeah, in this particular version. Yeah. So um, I use that with a custom head that. Um, uh, that I've designed with a good friend of mine, Rich Sanford. Okay. Um, Is that the diamond these cut? Amps, the diamond cut amps, that's right. Yeah, cool. So these amps, these amps will be available um, probably within the next uh, month and a half, I'm saying. Wow, awesome. Um, we're just waiting for sort of production of uh, the actual shells of the heads and the um, the cabs okay. and the logo. That's the only thing. Which, but we've spent about um, pretty much the last year and a, and a bit now uh, doing our thing and it's just to the point now where it just sounds spectacular wow. um, and I really love it it's just a single head pure clean head okay. that's it no frills no effects return yeah. it's just a nice packaged head which is just with a lot of punch and a lot of headroom cool and, how, many, know, how many watts great. is that running 80 watt 80, cool. 80 watt yeah yeah so when you're running when you're running that amp, what sort of pedals are you are you putting in the front? So you got the XFX okay, so, pedals. Yeah, so version. running the running the FX8 straight into the front of it. Yeah. No frills, straight to the front. Um all the pedals that are in the FX8 are just clones of like tube screamers and rat yeah. pedals and sure. your big pedals. Yeah. Um and I'm loving it. You know, it just, it just it sounds great. The effects in the FX8 are just, you know, high studio quality sort of effects. So it just it goes hand in hand with the head. Yeah, cool. So yeah, I've never been a single pedal sort of guy. Yeah. Just so you know, I'm just hopeless at stomping on stuff. You know, sure. if it requires more than three pedals being switched on at one given time. Yeah. So I just uh, like to be the '80s guy. You know. Sure. One switch, <laughs> solo. One switch. Yeah. You know, Michael, yeah. mate, thanks so much. We've covered heaps of stuff over this hour and a half um really appreciate your time well um, yeah about your career mate, it's your, been a pleasure gear. awesome man mate, it's so, been a pleasure mate it's been great to catch up with you appreciate the opportunity and um it's been a pleasure talking with you mate great michael dolce thank you very much <laughs> thank you mate take care cheers so there you have it there's our interview with michael dolce in two parts that was really inspiring i loved uh, i loved catching up with michael 
I really liked that idea he had when he was developing his vocabulary. Um, that he'd just make up a short line um, and, and develop that further with another line, then another. Um, I don't know about you, but for me, sometimes I hear you know a solo or you know a musician playing, and they they sound so developed. They they sound like they've got such a a thing going on. I think I could never do that. How how does that come together? But uh, it's great to hear someone uh, of Michael's caliber just break it down into just really simple, uh, doable steps. I like that approach. Hey, so look out for Michael on michaeldolcemusic.com. Um, if you go to the page, if you subscribe to that, there's uh, extra access to some really cool lessons. Um, you can order his album through that website. And um, if he's got a masterclass coming up uh, somewhere near you, that's the place to keep up to date with it. Now, towards the end of the interview, Michael mentioned a DCA, the Diamond Cut Amplifiers, uh, model coming out soon. Um, so there wasn't a lot of detail on that, but as soon as we hear a bit more on that, We'll, um, we'll let you know for sure as well. So uh, it's an 80 watt tube head, single channel. That's all we know. I'm intrigued. So uh, yeah, as soon as we hear anything about that, we will let you guys know. Hey, we've got lots of great interviews coming up on the Guitar Speak podcast. I've been speaking to some fantastic guitar players. And uh, next week we've got a guy who uh, has got such a, an Australian guitarist who has such a busy career in Europe. He's got an extra website written in German for his German fans. Uh, he's one of the very select members of a group uh, that have a Maton signature series guitar and he's a multiple golden guitar winner. I'm talking about Michael Fix, fantastic, wonderful guitar player. We had a great discussion and um, I'm looking forward to presenting that interview for you next time. So in the meantime, thank you for joining us. Uh, get onto iTunes, subscribe on there, leave a review, or check us out on SoundCloud. Say hello on Facebook, the Guitar Speak Podcast, or send us an email, guitarspeakpodcast at gmail.com. Until next time, see you later.